All right, good morning, VVCC. How are we doing? There's some good things going on. So you heard it from that guy and Paul on the screen there. Uh, We got Group Connect coming up in a couple weeks and just a chance to live out one of our core statements. Don't do life alone. Um, By the way, too, if uh, if you're having some technical issues with that, um, you can talk to me and talk to Susan uh, at the Information Center, and we'll make sure you're set up. You should get a a confirmation text back when you text to that. So it's going to be a great day two weeks from now. And then also, too, uh, two weeks from yesterday, we have have our, for our women, we have our mug and muffin. So uh, be coming to that. It's going to be great. Uh, you can sign up for that on bbcc.online slash women, or you can talk uh, to the people at the information center. We'd love to get you signed up. Uh, that is August 26th. So uh, get plugged in. But a lot of good things happening, right, in this church family. Jeez Elise. By the way, we, I was up front. We were worshiping, and I just stopped for a second just to listen. And it was, there's nothing more powerful than hearing your church family just belting out the words to that last song. All my life you've been faithful. All my life you've been so good. It was just so beautiful. I love that we have a church family that doesn't just have an incredible worship team up front that's, that's leading us as a phenomenal job. We got a church family who belts out these words to God out here too as well. So God's doing great things. We're all about Jesus. Amen. Well, hey, we are, my, my family and I, I can't believe this, we are coming up on a year living here in the Verde Valley. It's almost it's crazy. Thank you. Thank you. And we just want you to know we feel so blessed to be here. We so feel so blessed by you guys and just, again, blessed by what the Lord is doing. And, you know, it's been great getting to know each of you, you know, and getting to talk with you, getting to know you, getting to build relationships with you, and, and you've gotten to know us, and, and maybe something you don't know about me and, and, and my history is I've got a little bit of background working in the foster care system. I worked in Christian foster care. I worked for uh, this, this agency where I got to help with recruiting, training, licensing foster families, and then helping place kids who needed a home into those homes and supporting the family throughout the process. And there was a lot of really great things that I loved about doing that, but one of my favorite things for sure was this, getting to be a part of those adoptions that took place. Maybe you've, maybe you've been to one of these in the courthouse and it's something so beautiful, so wonderful. The family's there, all their friends are there, and the, the attorney asks the parents these questions. And, you know, first it's boring questions like, you know, where do you live? Um, you know, how long have you been a resident of the state? And blah, 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 blah. But then it gets to the good stuff. And they ask, how, how long have you, you know, had these kids or this child in your home? And They say, you know, so many days, because of course they know every single day, because it means so much to them. And then they ask some really interesting questions. Will you treat this child as if it were born, he or she were born to you? Yes. Do you understand that if this adoption were granted, this child would inherit from you just like any other child that was born to you? Yes. Do you wish this adoption granted? Yes. The attorney goes, judge, I have no further questions. The judge goes, I'm signing the order. This child has officially been adopted into this home. The crowd goes wild. People cheer. It's a phenomenal moment. As followers of Jesus... 
when we're in the courtroom, the questions are asked. And they're asked of our Heavenly Father. Do you realize that if this adoption were granted, it would be as if this child were with you from day one, born to you? Yes. Do you realize that if this adoption were granted, this child can inherit from you? Yes. Do you wish this adoption granted? Do you wish this child to be yours? And God the Father gives a resounding yes. The document is signed. The gavel was banged. We have a family. We have a forever home. You see, that child gets to go home, a permanent part of that family, a permanent home. You and I get to be a part of a permanent forever home, a lifelong home. This idea about having a home, it's so much more than just four walls and concrete and bricks and stucco or whatever. It's about having a place to belong. It's about being loved and accepted and valued and safe. You and I have a forever home with God. We can have assurance in our place with God. And yet sometimes, after the court order is signed, the gavel's been banged, the people cheer, the party is had, we go home. Sometimes as adopted kids of the Father, as time goes on, we forget. We forget our status. We forget who we are, and we forget that we have this permanent home with the Father. You're going through hard things. You're going through hard things. You look at your bank account. You look at your struggling relationships, maybe. You look at your struggling and wrestling with your faith and with the Lord. And it's easy in the midst of it all to get knocked off balance and forget our firm foundation that we have in him. So why can we be confident that we have a forever home with God? God's word has something to say to us in John chapter 14. John chapter 14. Why can we have assurance in our home with God? John chapter 14. And as you're maybe flipping there or pulling up on your phones, and we'll have it on the screens, by the way, too, of course, a little background so John 13 through 17, we're in the midst of this upper room discourse. Jesus is having the last dinner, the last meal he'll ever have on earth before dying on the cross for us. And John 13 is just crazy. Jesus has the audacity to wash his disciples' feet. A job that a servant would do, but Jesus says, "Uh uh-uh, I'm taking up the towel. I'm washing your feet as I have done, so now you do to others. That's a little crazy. If that were crazy enough, we have found out that Judas is going to betray Jesus. This guy who's been walking with Jesus for three and a half years is going to betray him. And then we've just found out that Peter Peter is going to deny 
Jesus. And in the midst of this crazy whirlwind of emotion and chaos and concern, we find ourselves in John chapter 14. How do we have assurance in our place with God? If you are ready to dive into John 14, start at verse 1, say, I'm ready. All right, let's do this. Wait, let's pray and continue to devote this time to the Lord as we continue. God, thank you. Thank you for this time. Thank you for this place. This is special. And we don't want to lose sight of that, God. All our life, you've been faithful. You've been so good. With every breath, with every thought, with every moment, we want to proclaim you are so good. So Lord, we devote this time to you. We continue to worship and praise you. Lord, speak, lead, guide. And and Lord, we, we don't come in here with a vacuum or as a vacuum, like there's nothing else going on in our life. We come in with things going on, with stuff on our mind and on our heart. And God, I know that you want to continue to speak. You want to continue to move. You want to continue to minister to us this morning as we worship you. So God, we don't leave our stuff at the door. We bring it right here to your feet with Bibles open, saying you speak, you move. You are so good. So we worship you and we devote this time to you. Help us to walk away from here after this hour is up a little more in love with you, a little closer to you, and a little more ready to live out the mission you've given us. We pray in your name, Jesus. Amen. John 14, verse 1, in the midst of the chaos, the confusion, the emotion, the whirlwind of emotion, we have this in verse 1. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Anybody got troubled hearts this morning? Jesus is about to go to the cross. If anyone should have a troubled heart right now, it's, it's him. And yet Jesus with the kindness and love and compassion that he has. He knows his disciples are getting thrown off off kilter and off balance. And he says, let not your hearts be troubled. If you've come in this morning with a troubled heart, you're in the right place. Jesus wants to speak to you just like he spoke to his disciples in that upper room over 2,000 years ago. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in God me. Here's the reason why your heart doesn't have to be so troubled, which by the way, I love in in Randy's communion video, we talked about this later on, and and John, he references too, this peace that you have, this peace I give to you, peace I leave with you. Jesus cares about the state of your heart, which I think is really important, by the way. Sometimes we can buy the lie that is, if, if we're a follower of Jesus, it's all about do, do, do. It's all everything that we do. We have to do more, do, do. Jesus cares about the state of your heart. Starts there. Don't let your heart be troubled. Why? We're going to find out in a second. You believe in God, believe also in me. Now, this idea in America of belief, it's like, oh, yeah, well, I believe. You know, I I believe that the Dallas Cowboys are going to win the Super Bowl this year. Um, I got to stop sharing with you guys who I vote, who I root for. That's just not good. Um, there's too much laughter, by the way, about the cheese. Kick me while I'm down. 
You believe in God. So this belief is not just mere cognitive assent, right? I, I ascribe to this. I, I, you know, cognitively, yes, I, I, I believe that. This is deep down in my heart, in my bones, I believe. I trust there's this guy somewhere in the 1800s who, you, you probably maybe know the story, had the crazy idea to go over, I believe it was Niagara Falls, tightrope, and he carried a wheelbarrow, too, over it. Crazy. Mere cognitive belief is saying, yeah, I believe that guy can do it. True belief and trust is putting ourselves in the wheelbarrow and saying, He's got this. Believe in God. Believe also in me. Jesus, throughout this upper room discourse, is saying, I am God. I am with the Father. We are one. So if you believe in God, you're believing in me. You're putting yourself in the wheelbarrow for me. Don't let your heart be troubled. And then look at verse 2. My Father's house has many rooms. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? What's he getting at here? Some of us may have heard about, you know, father's house has many mansions. Um, we, we can certainly go off on a really fascinating rabbit trail on that, but really the point's not that you get your own building by yourself. <laughs> the point is that you get to be with the father. My father's house has many rooms, many dwelling places. And then he says, if that weren't the case, wouldn't, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? So you, you can trust me in this, disciples. You can trust me. I, my father has many rooms, and I'm going to prepare a place for you. You ever know that family that like it's Thanksgiving time or Christmas time or maybe this is you and you're like, there's always room for more. There's always room, one more plate, one more chair, come on over. Speaking of foster care, again, part of my job was calling families when there was a child that needed a home and just, they weren't in a safe place anymore. And there are certain families where you call them and you're like, hey, I know you got a packed house. I mean, you, you, you know, le legally and through the state, you got room for, for more. But you got, you got a packed house. You got a lot of kids in your home. But hey, I just want to let you know there's a sibling set of three. They need a home. And before I could get it out of my mouth, oh, sure, we'll take them. And you're like, that's amazing. There's always room for more. And God the Father says the same thing. As Jesus says this, speaking for the Father, he says, there's many rooms. He's reassuring his disciples. Again, he said, take heart, believe in me, trust in me, because my father's got many rooms. He's got space for you. And then he says he's going to prepare a place for them. So he may or may not be alluding back to, in, in Jewish culture, the, you know, the husband-to-be would go and prepare the, the space for his wife. He'd build on an add-on to his family's home. And then he'd come back and, and, and get his bride-to-be, and, and they'd have the marriage ceremony, and he'd take her home. Jesus might be alluding to this, and it, but either way, there's this sense of care and compassion 
and intentionality from Jesus. Like, he's going to go prepare that place for you. Take heart. There's a spot for you. So when we look at the Father's house, as we take heart, as his disciples take heart, as we take heart, we need to remember that there's, there's really, this sign does not exist in the Father's house. There's always room for more. Which leads us to our first point. Jesus has prepared the home for us. Why can we have assurance in our place with God and in his family? Well, Jesus has prepared the home for us. The door is unlocked. The place is prepared. It's ready for us. And Jesus says he's coming back. And how reassuring is this that Christ is coming back for us? That changes everything about how we look at our circumstances, doesn't it? And if I were to be honest with you all too often, I forget about the eternal reality affecting my present circumstance. But when we do that, when we take that eternal perspective, doesn't that change everything? Again, that that relationship problem you have that financial struggle you're going through, that uncertainty, whatever that big question mark is in your life you're going through right now, it's not to diminish what you're going through. That's that's hard. But when we look at it from that eternal perspective, something happens, doesn't it, in our hearts and in our minds. Now we see it no longer is up close and in front of our face like this. It's out. And we can see it through the lens of God and what he's doing in eternity. Why can we have assurance in our place with God? Because he's prepared a home for us. Jesus has prepared the home. He's prepared the place. Verse three, if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. He says this to the disciples and he says it to you. That you may be where I am. Jesus wants to be with you. Do you know that? Jesus wants to be with you. And you might sit there and say, no, I've, I've done too much. I've gone through too much. You don't understand the awful decisions that I've made, the things that I'm ashamed of, the stuff I keep shoved in my closet. Jesus says, I want to be with you, my child. And you might sit there and say, that's maybe true for everyone else in this room, but it's not true for me. Jesus wants to be with you. He goes to prepare a place for you that you, you may also be where he is. How else do we have assurance in our place with God? Well, we can have assurance because of this fact. Point number two, Jesus has made the way to the home for us. Not only is there a home for us, but we can get there. 
Jesus has made the way. Oh, I love, here we go, right? This great passage. As you know, we've been going through our I am statements of Jesus in the book of John, and he's proclaiming, and we know through John 8, that he is the great I am. He is Yahweh. He is God. There is intentionality in those two words, I am. So let's get to them. Verse 6, or verse 5, excuse me. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? Don't you love like that kid in your classroom, you know, that always asks like that obvious question that everyone's too scared to ask, but everyone's also thinking. The disciples are like, this doesn't make sense. What does he mean? But I I don't know if I want to ask. Thomas says, how can we know? Verse six, Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Let's unpack this. Jesus says, I am the way. The disciples would be familiar with this great extensive road system that was going on. You go Israel to Rome and all over the place. There's plenty of roads to travel in ways. And yet Jesus is being very bold here and saying, I'm not a way. I am the way. I am. There's one way and I am that way. He takes Thomas's question of, you know, tell us what the way is, and he turns it into a who. I am the way. It's kind of like the, you know, one-way sign. That's it. This is the only way you can go. There's not multiple ways. There's not multiple gods. There's me. I am the way. He then says, I am the truth. He could have just stopped at the way, but he keeps going. I am the truth. Boy, do we need to hear that nowadays, don't we? Your truth works for you, and my truth works for me. Jesus is the truth. In a world today where we're so confused about what is truth, who can we trust? Jesus says, I am the truth. In January 2023 alone, according to the company RoboKiller, There was 5.51 billion, with a B, robocalls made in the U.S. January alone. That's an average of, if you can't do it in your head, because you don't have memorized how many people live in the United States, that is an average of 20 calls to every single person in the month of January alone. 20 scam calls. We are sick of people calling us with lies and deceit, aren't we? Yes. <laughs> wow, that got a lot of yes. All right, yes. <laughs> but here's the deal. In the midst of all the scamming and uncertainty and unknown that we face in our culture, Jesus resoundingly, resoundingly says, I am the truth. You can trust me. I'm not going to scam you. In fact, I'm going to prove it later on at the end of the Gospel of John when I hang on the cross for you. We sung earlier, Jesus, you're everything you say you are. Do you believe that? I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. We know this from previous passages. John eleven twenty five. he's a resurrection in the life. John 10, 10, that he's come that we have life and life to the fullest. He's life. 
you and I, spiritually speaking, were stranded in the desert. We had no hope. We were dying of thirst. And Jesus, the living water, he came to us and gave us life. You were dead, and now you're alive. Do you believe that today? What I find so fascinating about these passages, when Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, no one comes so far but through me, we have these, this first section where it's really inclusive. There's always room. There's room at my father's house. And then the second part of what we've read today is so exclusive. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. We serve a God who on this side of eternity is saying, come to me. Know me. I am the way. This is such a contrast to the loud voice in our world that says there are multiple ways. There are multiple truths. There's a little something called the law of non-contradiction. It says something can't simultaneously be true and untrue at the same time. So, Either the sky is blue or the sky is red. Two plus two equals four. It doesn't equal five. Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, the life. As we start coming to a close, I want to tell you about a little pickle I got, got myself in. So I, I lived in Chicago for a few years in college. That's where I met my amazing wife, Shay. And, and a couple of, year, couple of the summers there that, we, that I lived in Chicago, I um, stayed there. I didn't go home. I, I stayed in, in Chicago. And, and one of those summers, I was coming back from church, and I was supposed to take the train. And I, couldn't, I either couldn't find my ticket or I ran out of money. Either one's quite possible. But I think I lost my ticket and I went, oh no, how do I get home? And I looked around at the floor around me in this kind of like train depot. And I see these cards scattered all over, these train tickets, these, these disused, you know, uh, discarded train tickets. And I see opportunity. Maybe there's still something on one of these cards. <laughs> And so I grab these cards and I start putting them in the little slot to get through the turnstile that leads to the platform. Red light, red light, red light. And I try a couple times and I'm picking up some cards. I probably looked really funny. And just when I'm about to give up, the green light goes off. And there's more to spare on that card. There's like 20 bucks on that thing. I was able to go up the escalators and get to the train platform. I was able to go home. Jesus is telling us, I'm the only way. I'm the only ticket to the Father. You see, our society, all throughout the Verde Valley, we are all trying to get to that platform, whether we know it or not. And Jesus says, take my ticket. When you try other tickets, the red light comes up. Just being a good person. Or maybe finding an escape through drinking and drugs. 
Or maybe it's through climbing the corporate ladder or how much you have in your bank account. You put those cards in. Red light, red light, red light. But you take Jesus' card and you put that in, you know what pops up? Paid in full, green light all the way. We get to be on the platform. We get to go home with our heavenly Father. If you don't know this Jesus this morning, would you let today be the day? Would you not put it off? If he really means these words that he said, we got to give our life to him. He's the way. He's the truth. He's the life. After service, we're going to have our prayer team up here. Would you come talk to them and say, I'm not waiting another day. I'm ready to put my card in. I'm ready to know this Jesus. And if you do know this Jesus, would you be reminded of the truth of the card that you have? Sometimes we, 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 we forget, we lose sight, we get knocked off course, we end up back in that, that lobby area picking up other cards, trying to find our definition and our meaning and other things. We lose our way. All the while, you've already got the ticket. You've already got the access. Hold on to that. And then share him with others. Pass the ticket on to others. Church family, we have this incredible mission to share Jesus with the whole Verde Valley. Let's do it. Your neighbors, your coworkers, your friends, let's say here's the card because Jesus is so willing to share it. So, the order's been signed. The gavel's been banged. We have a forever home with our Father. How do we know that? Jesus has prepared that way for us. He has made the way for us by giving his very life, overcoming sin, death, and the grave. You and I have a forever home with God, and that changes everything. Would you pray with me? God, thank you. Thank you for how great you are. Jesus, thank you that you are the way, the truth, the life. We worship you. We praise you. We magnify you right now. Be with each of my friends here in this room. And and, and God, would you help us continue to cling to that ticket, to cling to the truth of you? And Lord, if there's, a, if there's a next step for us to continue to fix our eyes on you, if maybe, it's, maybe it's joining a group in a, in a couple weeks or that mug and muffin for the ladies we talked about or just continuing to spend time with you on a regular basis. Lord, would you help my friends with that as we cling to you? We love you. We worship you. Thank you, Jesus, that we have a forever home with you. I pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. All right. Well, as we said, our prayer team is here for you to pray about anything. Guys, we love you. Have a great rest of your day. Go in peace.